This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Matthew Collar here, along with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels. Sage, how are you waking up this morning, feeling about the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like I felt like a lot of games last year. That was just a nice win. They got the lead. They sort of had that formula we've talked about many times of, of getting that lead, running the football much better. Thank God. Uh, and their defense played how we have remembered of their defense the last few years. And so it was a quality win. It wasn't without mistakes or, or frustrations as a fan or why did you do that uh, type of, of plays. Uh, but there is a lot of quality football out there. And it was a game that they should have won the way they want it uh, of you know getting that lead and then just sort of beating on uh, Arizona's offense and an offensive line and, and, and harassing the quarterback. And from the big picture standpoint, when we are looking at the standings now, the Vikings are in very good shape. That tie is going to be obnoxious all year long to look at in the standings. But when you're looking at it now, the Bears three and two, Vikings three, two and one, Packers two, two and one. And you just uh, feel like they are back on track to go where they want to go as long as they take care of business next week against the New York Jets. Yeah, they're, they're back on track. They are going to be in the mix. Uh, I, I cannot imagine a scenario where they completely fall apart uh, over the course of the next, what do they got, 10 weeks left or something like that, uh, nine weeks left or something. So my guess is if they're going to come down to the wire with, you know, the Bears, the Packers. Uh, Vikings got lucky yesterday with the Bears uh, really, uh, well, they should have lost twice and they only losing the second time, but the Bears could have easily won that game in overtime uh, against uh, the Dolphins. And so, uh, it's going to be a fun race. I, I, there's there's about three divisions right now uh, where you know three, if not four, teams are are very much in the mix. Uh, and the NFC North is, is one of those divisions. Yeah, if they uh, win the division by a half a game, they can go back and thank Brock Osweiler for defeating the Chicago Bears yesterday. Uh, I want to start with the defense's performance. It was a very 2017-like defensive performance where they were consistently putting pressure on Josh Rosen. They get an interception. They get four sacks. 
that looked like the Vikings defense that we expected. And now it's two weeks in a row, but especially this week, they looked much more like they were just abusing the opposing team's quarterback, especially on third down Sage. Josh Rosen was 0 for 10. And I think you and I both like Rosen as a long-term prospect, but he looked in over his head on some of Mike Zimmer's zone blitzes on third downs. Can you explain why those are so challenging, especially for a young quarterback? Well, first, let me explain. He's dealing with uh, sort of a stacked deck against him, in my opinion. That offensive line in Arizona, uh, other than maybe Houston, uh, might be the worst offensive line in the league. They got they even had two players get hurt uh, in the second half of that game yesterday. Uh, so, you know, anytime you have a bad offensive line, that's a struggle. And, and you know, one thing we saw that uh, that we have seen so far this year is teams have run the ball fairly well in the Vikings mm-hmm. uh, more than in years past. You really not see that yesterday. Uh, you, you saw uh, there was like a 10 yard run by David Johnson that almost surprised me. Uh, and so, you know, the, obviously he's dealing with a, with a poor offensive line, run blocking and pass blocking. Uh, the zone blitzes are complicated because um, there's usually at least one guy coming at you. Uh, and you generally think, you know, when linebackers blitz, uh, you know, there's, there's space behind them uh, to throw the football, sort of where they came from. But in zone blitzes, the way they're designed, as soon as a linebacker, even two line, let's just say a Sam the Mike blitz from what is the quarterback's right side, uh, that will that will uh, uh, linebacker will be screaming over uh, to replace where that Mike and Sam were. A lot of times, you want to throw into the into the space that uh, where the linebackers disappeared, uh, and in a zone blitz, a lot of times you're throwing right into a, a screaming linebacker that you may or safety that you might not see coming from the other side, or even defensive linemen. Uh, which that those are the worst types of zone blitzes for a quarterback. It even seems like with the way Zimmer dials them up, because he was throwing all sorts of different things. I mean, Mackenzie Alexander gets a sack. Harrison Smith gets a sack. Anthony Barr had a key pressure in the red zone that for a rookie quarterback, it must be a nightmare because I even see from time to time Aaron Rodgers on a key third down. He got sacked earlier this year by Mackenzie Alexander that even for veteran quarterbacks, with the different creativity that Zimmer has and bringing pressures from all different places, it never seems like it's the same two times in one game. Yeah, and, and the Vikings do a really nice job, and they have a multiple different sort of types of pressure, uh, but the look they give pre-snap, you can't tell where they're coming from. Uh, Harrison Smith got a sack yesterday about the one-yard line, uh, and if you go back and watch that play, uh, the, the, the offensive line, uh, had what they call make a mic declaration to the weak side, to the will linebacker, uh, in, in which that blitz would have been picked up. Uh, Josh Rosen actually over sort of overran or, or, or uh, uh, overcalled, I guess you want to say. He, he, he changed the call uh, for, for the offensive line, made the linebacker, the, the, the strong side linebacker as the mic. When, when the Vikings brought four weak as in the will and the free safety from the weak side, Rosen did not see it uh, and ended up getting a big sack in that game. Uh, down at the one yard line. How often does that happen to a quarterback where you think you've got it and you make the check and then you realize, nope. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, it happens, but uh, the key is, you know, what, you know, you, you have, uh, sometimes, sometimes that you're good at, they, they give you these looks where you can't help but come in four strong or four weak. And that's, you know, that's a big challenge. And, and when you, whatever the, whatever you end up making as that sort of mic declaration or you decide how the whole thing is going to be blocked. Uh, even if you change and you feel really good about it, you do have to confirm at the snap 
what actually did happen. You know, did I get fooled or didn't I? Mm. Uh, and, uh, and, and you have to have an answer for when you get fooled. And you know, sometimes that's, you know, the hot throw might go from the strong side to the tight end. Uh, and then when you change the track protection, it actually goes to the weak side to that slot receiver. You have to have a hot ready there. So, uh, you know, that, that's why there's, you know, some offenses try to, uh, uh, you have to keep the quarterback involved with the line. Uh, because if the quarterback doesn't know what's going on, he doesn't know where he's protected or where he's hot. So we've had a lot of conversations about Anthony Barr and, you know, especially after that Rams game where he got left out to dry a couple of times. But the Vikings players you expect to step up really did step up yesterday. Daniil Hunter with two sacks. Harrison Smith gets the sack. And Anthony Barr, to me, Sage, looked like he was playing the game that he's supposed to play. Now, I'm trying to figure out in my mind here, because we get such a small sample, how much of it was you're playing the worst offenses in the league and you beat them down, as you should, and how much is, yeah, this is what it's supposed to look like for the Vikings defense with all the talent they have. Yeah, I like the way Anthony Barr played yesterday. You know, I think the thing with the way the position that Anthony Barr plays is you just sort of see him a lot. He's on Mm -hmm. the edge. He's matched up in man coverage on a running back. So you definitely, he's like in a position where you see where he gets beat. You know, it's sort of like a cornerback. The cornerback and the will linebacker a lot of times are are sort of in spots, at least in coverage, where you really, it's obviously see where they get beat. And so I actually think he's having a better year than, than what people may, you know, think he has. People think he's a big problem. I don't. He's extremely athletic. Uh, and a guy that uh, that can do all the things he can do from rush the passer to be priest out against the run and cover running backs pretty good usually in man-to-man coverage. Uh, he's a huge asset to this defense, and against an offensive line that's inferior, uh, he can take advantage of that with his athleticism. Yeah, and uh, you know, yesterday I, I thought was probably his best game, but he was good against Philadelphia too. And I ran across this stat, and I'll have to see if it's updated. Okay, it is on Pro Football Focus. So aside from the Rams game, where it was total scheme and not Anthony Barr. He's only allowed 18 yards receiving into his coverage so far this year. So it, I think that one game can definitely twist the way that we see one particular player. If they get left out to dry, then it ends up changing the entire fan perspective for a whole season when I think he's actually been very solid. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same way with quarterbacks sometimes. I mean, uh, you know, I, and I really like Matt Ryan, but at the end of the day, Matt Ryan has had one good season. Now he's having a good year this year. But two years ago, he had like 115 quarterback rating with Kyle Shanahan. And other than that, he's actually been about a 92, 93 QB rating quarterback, uh, maybe even below that. I think about 90 for his whole career. So uh, we think of Matt Ryan as just like, is he a Hall of Famer? It's like, well, actually, pretty, you know, average to above average for the most part, other than that one great year. And I think with Anthony Barr, he's had a really good season. We just saw that really bad game where he got exposed on a primetime game uh, in the lights in L.A. And if I recall, we talked about it. A lot of the, a couple of those plays are actually not, either not his fault or just really, really challenging mm-hmm. uh, uh, routes that he had to cover. Yeah, have you, did you see the game last night, the Kansas City game? I did. Uh, Kareem Hunt had a very similar play, very similar play in that game where he, he was coming out of the backfield and then ended up running a seam route. I believe it was the first quarter, maybe in the first drive. Uh, uh, Mahomes actually missed him. It would have been a huge play. Uh, that linebacker got blue pass way worse than Anthony Barr. And if I recall, that was a pretty good linebacker. So that is a really, really tough route to cover is that seam right out of the backfield. And that's something that Philadelphia used in the Super Bowl with Corey Clement. Cause I, I, 
it's kind of clicked in my mind, so I went back to look at it, and there was a touchdown pass from Nick Foles to Corey Clement where he did kind of the same exact thing where it's it's not really a wheel route. He doesn't go out as far. It's more of, like you said, like a seam. And, uh, you know, with the quality of running backs in the league, I wonder if we will see that more often just around the NFL. So this, uh, yeah, this is definitely uh, sort of a new age thing. You know, offensive coordinators like Norm Turner have always liked option routes by running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a running back who ran a lot of seam routes, that didn't, that didn't occur a lot. And I think you're finding these multifaceted running backs, in particular guys like Tariq Cohen in Chicago. I'm sure Dalvin Cook, uh, when he's healthy in Minnesota. But these guys that can sort of, you know, you, you come up on that little linebacker and you usually see the, the, the running back either break out or, or break in. Uh, but to actually just, if I can take it, run right past him. If he's playing soft, and you have the option probably to, to break out. So uh, I think they're even getting more creative uh, with these option routes out of the backfield by these running backs. You know, and I wonder about that with the Vikings going forward because Mike Zimmer was asked about, you know, the personnel, and he always played last year the same personnel, basically. It was always, you know, Kendrickson Barr, linebackers, Terrence Newman at the nickel. I mean, it was like the same lineup for every play of every game almost and this year he switched it around quite a bit we saw anthony harris in the lineup we've seen j ron curse come in and it, it seems to me that that's one of the things that he has to do to adjust even if he's not taking out necessarily eric hendricks or anthony Barr, but with the way other teams are playing that uh using more of his personnel that he has especially with some of the strengths they have with players like curse and then we saw george iloka yesterday I think he's also, you know, still trying to figure out his personnel a little bit. You know, there's, there's not a really like super solid. This is absolutely our nickel will linebacker. He's the veteran. He's been there forever. You know, I think that, uh, you know, we, he has, probably hasn't talked about it too much, but I think he has guys sort of scrapping for position, scrapping for jobs, giving guys opportunities, probably in practice, some in games, uh, to, you know, try to increase the level of play amongst that, you know, sort of third safety or, or third linebacker, nickel will, you know, type of position. It's, it's a, it's a very, very important position. There's also matchups. You know, some guys are, are, are better versus taller, you know, tight end type of receivers and other guys are better versus, you know, small little slot guys. And so, you know, matchup from game to game. That, that's an aspect of probably who's playing as well. So I, I like that he's changing it up. I think there's definitely, a, uh, there's probably going to be games where they even go dime where they take out. Uh, another linebacker, uh, and, and play another, you know, safety slash corner in there and have six, uh, sort of uh, DB types, uh, you know, covering receivers and you play against uh, a group that is just so good at throwing the ball that has, you know, four legitimate weapons. So let's, uh, move over and talk about the offensive side because I, I agree with everything you said there that it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt even to, you know, different offenses that they're facing who are a little more dangerous than the Cardinals. Uh, but on the offensive side, the Vikings did not get a superstar day from Kirk Cousins as they got against L.A. and Philadelphia, but they did get the running game that they have been so desperate for, and it made up the difference. Latavius Murray, 155 yards on the ground. Mike Boone added a 20-yard carry, and overall they finished with 195 yards at six yards a pop. And I thought the star of yesterday's game was Pat Elfline, Sage, that that looked like the player that they were super high on when uh, he came out last year and, and stepped right into that starting role. His first two weeks, he has to go against Aaron Donald and then Fletcher Cox. But yesterday, the middle of the field was just 
wide open for Latavius Murray and Mike Boone to run through for, for explosive plays. Yeah, he's a difference maker, and uh, you, you did see the Vikings' offense line was not the same uh, early in the year. Uh, now, you know, as we as the more Pat Alfline plays and the better he plays as this year goes on, uh, we're we're sort of going to I think going to see his value of like just how valuable he is to this offensive line. He was moving people yesterday. Uh, he can't dance at all. That's <laughs> an obvious thing too. Um, but none of those off. The offensive line did all look the worst. I mean, they had there's no rhythm there, by the way. Whatever that dance is, that, that's probably another conversation. But uh, yeah, Alfine, I think he's becoming a very consistent player, and it's good to have him back. Hopefully, he stays healthy uh, because, it, as, as you said, you know, he came back, and the, the Vikings have really struggled to run the ball. Uh, he had two really tough opponents early on. As he gets guys that are more uh, in the middle of the pack or, or even, you know, sort of worse uh, nose tackles, uh, I think we're going to see that that running game improve and improve and, and that was huge yesterday that game was so reminiscent of last year you know we even saw quarterback zone read go mm-hmm. for a touchdown which i feel like we saw that about once a month last year so uh kirk cousins did not hit, play his greatest game uh but you know the, the, the really two really bad plays that he made um and you can blame them both on him uh you know th- there was a lot that goes into that and and you know it's, he, he's not going to play like superman every single time he goes out there let me circle back to the dancing bit you threw 30 touchdowns in the NFL. Did you do any particular dance when you threw them? Uh, did you have a um, discount double check belt or, uh, you know, you can't. No, I didn't. Do the, and, and looking um, back and looking back, I, you know, I was probably just scared of getting fined for anything, <laughs> uh, you know, and it was much more strict back then. You seemed like you couldn't do anything. You couldn't do anything in a group. That's right. right? That That's was right. the whole thing. There was I mean, what, which is insane. Like these touchdowns are, they're totally harmless and they've been great so far. The groups make them so much better. It's a team game. The team should get to celebrate. Uh, my only rushing touchdown of my career, uh, was a Thursday night game against the Broncos. I was playing for the Texans. We ran a, a naked bootleg to my left and dove in the end zone. I hopped up and I had Ephraim Salam, who was my left tackle, uh, come over, uh, to congratulate me. And I tossed the ball and I said, spike that blankety blank. And uh, he spiked it. So that was really my only real celebration I think I ever really had. Never really had anything too. Imp- that was not my style. You know, I was sort of like the be seen and not heard uh, type of quarterback. And I was not, uh, flashiness was not a part of my forte. We need to do some research and find the best journeyman quarterback celebration for a touchdown of all time. We will, we will get the investigative team at 1500 ESPN on that. Well, uh, we can just go back to last week. I, I loved it when Josh McCown, when he first came back with the Bears after being, you know, playing for the Hartford Colonels and coaching high school football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they were playing Packers on like a Sunday or Monday night, and he dunked the basketball. I think he just ran like a quarterback draw and, and went right for the uh, the crossbar and dunked it. So I I thoroughly appreciate a quarterback showing his athleticism uh, after he scores a touchdown because we're great athletes. The now illegal, yes, right. The now, uh, at least he is, the now illegal dunk. You, you can't do that anymore. You can do the group celebration, but you can't dunk it because you can hurt the goalpost, and then it's a delay of game where they have to fix the goalposts. So. That's right. Well, they should, they should go just lay it in, though. I, I think it's you do sort of a double pump 360 lay in. That's right. Uh, that's sort of my style. 50-man-year-old basketball game. Maybe the Isaiah Ryder through the legs to do that. That's, yes. With, yeah, the, I like that one. That's a good one. That's uh, actually now everyone in the NBA dunk contest goes through the legs. But when Isaiah Ryder did it, it was really awesome. So anyway, um, Kirk Cousins yesterday, 
it was a, I would say, a solid for the most part, but lackluster performance. The thing where you get concerned is the fumble. I mean, we've talked about it every week with him, and we've given the stat every week with him. I mean, going back to when they signed him, that the guy fumbles the ball. And, you know, at some point, this is really going to hurt them. And I, I think that it did in L.A. It took them away from a chance to drive down. And what gets frustrating for me, Sage, is that every with every fumble, it's a debate like on Twitter.com of was it his fault? Was it not his fault? And then we go out to TCO Performance Center and we ask him and then it's like, hey, was it your fault? And no, it wasn't. Or yes, it was. And all that. it's just like this big debate over every fumble. But all the other quarterbacks are not fumbling this much. So yeah, there that, has that, to that's be something to it. Is. Yeah, that's the key is, you know, coaches over the years, you know, sometimes you throw an interception or you fumble or, or you know, an offensive line miss a block and something bad happens. At the end of the day, uh, the ball is in the quarterback's hands. And you, are, you are responsible for that. Um, and, you, and you take the blame for it. You know, too much is given, much is expected. And the, there's a lot expected out of the quarterback. And one of those things is, yeah, you're going to get sacked. You're going to get blindsided. Uh, you, you know, you're going to get hit as you're throwing. But at the end of the day, uh, the ball is in your hands. You're responsible for it. You know, Tom Brady doesn't fumble very often. Aaron Rodgers doesn't fumble all that often. Uh, they're dealing with the same harassment that you know, Kirk Cousins is dealing with. He has to find a way to hang on to the football. And maybe that's, you know, part of it is they keep running the football that, you know, mm-hmm. minimize the attempts, uh, minimize the left tackle having to drop back, uh, and, and rather than, you know, plow forward with some sort of run action. Uh, and I think that's all part of it. But yeah, Cousins at the end of the day, he is responsible for that ball and he has to protect it better. And, and actually for yesterday, we can't really entirely blame the offensive line. When I look at the pressure numbers from yesterday, 14 times pressured, which is kind of average. It, it wasn't, I mean, of course, Chandler Jones dominated, but the rest was pretty much uh, an okay performance out of the offensive line, and we can't pin every single fumble on them. And plus, six weeks into the season, Kirk Cousins knows what he has for an offensive line. He knows that he's going to have to get the ball out, and he knows if the pocket is collapsing, he's going to have to tuck it. And I feel like, Sage, this is what Teddy Bridgewater was really, really good at, that sometimes you just need to throw the ball away. And it seems like, Kirk, where you will get these great throws from him hanging in, but you're also going to get sometimes where he turns the ball over, and that's that's not going to help them. Well, yeah, when you're talking about Bridgewater and Chase Keenum, I think both those guys did a really nice job of sort of making their offensive line look better than they were uh, in pass protection, and now we're seeing you know, some of those cracks now that Cousins, who's just not as mobile, doesn't feel the pressure as well. But, you know, we're also getting a stronger arm, probably a more accurate, strong arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who can do a little bit more in, in just a straight passing game. And so that's just sort of the way it works. You know, they've decided to go for uh, the guy with the bigger arm who can make a lot of these throws that, to be honest with you, Keenan could make some of these throws last year uh, that, that, that Kirk is making, but he also made that offensive line look pretty good. So, you know, this is also, let's just add, uh, you know, John D. Filippo needs to be a part of this conversation. Uh, he can do things. He can, you know, he can help out. Uh, the left tackle or the right tackle, the guys are getting beat around the edge. It seems if anything, it's it's Hill from the left side. Uh, he, you know, he can help him out uh, by putting a running back over there to chip, uh, so that tackle knows that hey, I'm not going to get get to get beat around the outside, so I can sort of underset a little bit, knowing that I'm going to have uh, running back help 
uh, and, and which will sort of force that defensive end back into the left tackle. He can also put a tight end over there in sort of a wing position, again, so it sort of minimizes that rush lane that the defensive end has. Uh, that's a huge advantage for an offensive line. That's why you see the Patriots do that all the time. You see Gronk in that sort of wing or tight end position that really minimizes the passing lanes uh, for those defensive ends. What was your takeaway on the interception that seemed like just the ball hurled into the secondary where no one was? Yeah, so that was just a naked, uh, what they call a naked bootleg, in which they had two guys to the right. Uh, I think it was two tight ends or a tight end and a receiver. I think it was two tight ends. And somewhere, whether it was between the tight end and the tackle, the tackle guard, or maybe even the, the two tight end spots, somewhere in that gap, uh, a defensive end got through. And that literally just should not happen. The only pressure that you should have on a naked is coming from around the outside, you know, the, the furthest gap, somewhere outside uh, your flat player, your flat offensive player. He got pressure on the inside. I think it surprised him. Uh, and I believe he was just trying to throw the ball away, sort of out to where he didn't think anybody was. And there really wasn't anybody there uh, until that uh, safety came over and made that really, really nice play, nice interception. Obviously, if you're going to throw the ball away, you really got to throw it away throw it out of bounds and, and, and get rid of it, throw at the feet of those you know, tight ends. But um, the initial negative, there's going to be two negatives in that play when you break it down from a coach's perspective. One uh, is whoever missed the block to allow, and I'll see that on the, on the all 22 when I watch it probably tomorrow, but who missed that down block uh, to, to allow that penetration of pressure, but obviously Cousins is going to get negative too. So as, as I said before, at the end of the day, the ball is in his hands. He has to make a good decision with the football. So with the, uh... Cousins having kind of a down game that they get away with, and, and we kind of are assessing him through each week and where we are, which is the unfortunate part of making $84 million, is that every single week is going to be picked apart. But it's been my takeaway, Sage, that we've seen all the phases of Kirk Cousins at this point through six games. We've seen the Kirk Cousins who can take over a game. We've seen the Kirk Cousins, like you mentioned, with the incredible arm strength, the pinpoint accuracy down the field. We've seen him maximize his wide receivers, another unbelievable day from Thielen. And then we've seen some of the downs as well. But I feel like if we're if we're starting to form an opinion of how far this team is can go, if you get the Kirk Cousins version over a couple of games in the playoffs that plays as well as he did against L.A. Philadelphia, <laughs> then you've got a chance if your defense is playing really well if you get the version from yesterday, it's going to be really hard, I think. Well, one, he, listen, he's not a top-five quarterback. And statistically, I think that's where he is right now. But he just isn't. You know, if you could say, hey, would you rather have Drew Brees or Kirk Cousins? I'd take Drew Brees, even though he's at the end of his career. I'd take uh, uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. You know, there, there's other guys out there that I'd rather have. You know, he is paid like a top-five quarterback because of, basically capitalism, supply and demand mm -hmm. within the sport of football and at the quarterback position. Uh, is he a top 10 quarterback? Maybe. Is he a top 15? Absolutely. Uh, you know, probably a top 12 in my opinion. Uh, so, you know, he, he's a, he's a good player. You know, he's a B to a B plus player. If that's who you want to sort of describe it, in my opinion, he is good enough to win the Super Bowl. Uh, if they're going to make a run here as the season progresses in the playoffs, in the championship games, He's going to have to play his A football uh, because he sort of has A game and he has C plus game. And you know, overall, he's somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I, I think that what we didn't see in the last few quarterbacks is we didn't see that A game. Uh, and, and when Kirk is on, man, he, he is a top five quarterback in the league. And, and you just sort of hope it all times out right, whether it's this year or, or somewhere in the next three years. 
Do you know how good the Minnesota Vikings are right now? I feel like I'm still waiting to fully know how good this team is. Maybe we'll know in the next few weeks, especially when they go up against New Orleans or if they do or don't take care of business in New York. But I, I, I'm still hesitant to decide if I feel like they are in the conversation with the other top teams, the New Orleans, the Los Angeles yet, or if I still want to wait on that. I, I think everyone waits. I, I think we wait until around Christmas time. I think that's the way it goes. Last year at this time, do you know who was was five and zero oh and and the only undefeated uh, team in the NFL? I do not. The Kansas City Chiefs. All right, then they lost five in a row. Right, right. All right, so they were feeling on top of the world. Then their defense fell apart, uh, and uh, they lost five in a row. And and so, um, I, I you know, the football people love to try to. Uh, feel really good or bad about where they are early in the year. It's just amazing how much changes from week to week uh, in every division on every football team. It's, it truly is any given Sunday. Uh, the Texans look terrible. They were 0-3. Now they're 3-3. and mm-hmm. uh, So, uh, you know, it, let, I, let's just play it out and enjoy each week. Uh, I, I think they're a good team that can beat anybody and also has its weaknesses and could lose to a lot of teams, most of the teams in the NFL as well. Uh, not much different than basically every other NFL team out there uh, that, that, that played this weekend. All right, Sage. Well, uh, when we get together on Wednesday, we have so many options for journeyman quarterback of the week. Almost every team we could have Josh McCown. So he is um, exempt <laughs> for, because we already who, used him. <laughs> uh, who, who do we have this week? Who do the Vikings have this week? Looking it is to the New York Jets, sir. Oh, Sam Darnold so, conversation. All yes, right. I want this Sam Darnold. This is the current Josh McCown team. So but, he makes it more special. I, uh, yeah, that's right. And I always want uh, a, a number of options here. I mean, there are many running through my head, but we'll save them for Wednesday for Journey so Quarterback we get, of the Week. As we get to the end of the year, uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe like last game of the season, or maybe, I don't know, but I, I feel like we should give out, I think we should call it the Josh McCown Award. Yes. All right. And I think there should be an award, maybe just the, the, the backup who played the best this year. Or something like that, you know, the guy, the backup we love to have on our team, right? So I, I think we, there needs to be something. We'll, we'll figure that out. But I think there needs, needs to be some sort. Maybe it's even a weekly thing. But you know, quarterbacks aren't getting hurt that much. But as time goes on, a four or five back. Shoot, Brock Osweiler probably wins the Josh McConnell Award of the Week uh, for his big win yesterday down in uh, down in Miami. So what we need to come up with some sort of a town award. Give him some credit. Oh, I totally agree. Maybe we can do like a uh, midway point. McCown Award when we get to week eight, and then we could do the end of the year. Who was the Josh McCown of this year? I love it. Yes, and then I think I think we and if, uh, at the end of the year we also give a Luke McCown Award for the second <laughs> best back. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is perfect. I wish there was a left-handed quarterback to give the Cade McCown Award to, but there isn't anymore. What happened to them all? Yeah, I don't know. They've all just dis- they've all disappeared. They're playing for Wisconsin. They're terrible. Yeah, or Alabama, <laughs> and they're great. Oh uh, yeah. But anyway, so uh, I missed I missed the Boomer Esiasons of the world and Tony Graziani. There's a guy for you. Wow, there you have it. Uh, there you have it. All right. Well, we will get together and work on that. And I just scrolled quickly through the Jets franchise encyclopedia for some names, and man, it's great. So I'm looking forward to that on Wednesday. Thank you, Sage, and thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. 
Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.